1: And uh, they can help you. You can give them a call and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Linda Harden, my wife, will be joining us. She writes, greetings from paradise. And Boo Mortensen will find out what's new with Boo as well. It is November the 9th, and on this day in 1938, in an event that would foreshadow the Holocaust, German Nazis launched a campaign of terror against Jewish people and their homes and businesses in Germany and Austria. The violence, which continued through November the 10th, and was later dubbed Kristallnacht, or Night of Broken Glass, after the countless smashed windows of Jewish-owned establishments Uh, left approximately 100 Jews dead, 7,500 Jewish businesses damaged, and hundreds of synagogues, homes, and schools, and graveyards vandalized. An estimated 30,000 Jewish men were arrested, many of whom were then sent to concentration camps for several months. They were released when they promised to leave Germany. Kristallnacht represented a dramatic escalation on the campaign started by Adolf Hitler in 1933 when he became chancellor to purge Germany of its Jewish population. The Nazi used the murder of a low level German diplomat in Paris by a 17 year old Polish Jew uh, to carry out the Kristallnacht attacks. On November the 7th, 1938, Ernest von Roth uh, was shot outside the German, uh, German embassy by this young man who wanted revenge for his parents' sudden deportation from Germany to Poland, along with tens of thousands of other Polish Jews. Following von Roth's death, Nazi uh, propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels. Ordered German stormtroopers to carry out violent riots disguised as spontaneous demonstrations against Jewish citizens. Does this sound familiar? It does to me. Local police and fire departments were told not to interfere. In the face of all the devastation, some Jews, including entire families, committed suicide. In the aftermath of Kristallnacht, the Germans blamed uh, the Nazis blamed the Jews and fined them one billion marks, or $400 million in 1938 dollars, for von Roth's death. As repayment, the government seized Jewish property and kept insurance money owed to the Jewish people. In its quest to create a master Aryan race, the Nazi government enacted further discriminatory uh, Tory policies that essentially excluded Jews from all aspects of public life. Over 100,000 Jews fled ger- to Germany for other countries after Kristallnacht, the international community was outraged by the violent events of November 9th and 10th. Some countries broke off diplomatic relations in protest, but the Nazis suffered no serious consequences. They could get away with their mass murder. That was the Holocaust, in which an estimated 6 million European Jews died. Not a proud moment in global history. <clears throat> Crystal knocked on this night. Well, if that sounds eerily familiar to you, it does to me, certainly, because of the same pattern of events uh, against, quote-unquote, domestic terrorists. And just in preparation for this, the Biden administration in just the past year alone stockpiled the records of more than 54 million U.S. gun owners and is poised to drastically alter gun regulations to ensure that information on Americans who own firearms ultimately ends up in the federal government's hands, according to internal. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms documents obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. The ATF in in fiscal year 2021 processed 54.7 million out-of-business records according to an internal ATF document obtained by Gun Owners of America, a firearms advocacy group, and provided exclusively to Free Beacon. When a licensed gun store goes out of business, private records detailing gun transactions become ATF property and are stored at a federal site in West Virginia. This practice allows the federal government to stockpile s- scores of gun records and has drawn outrage from gun advocacy groups that say the government is using this information to create a national database of gun owners, which has long been prohibited under U.S. law. <clears throat> the ATF obtained 53.8 million records and another 8,887,000 electronic records, according to internal documents. Gun activists described this figure as worryingly high and said it contributes to fears that the Biden administration is trying to keep track of all Americans who own firearms in violation of federal statutes. The procurement of these records by the ATF comes as Biden administration moves to alter current laws to ensure that gun records are stored in perpetuity. Currently, gun shops can destroy their records after 20 years, thereby preventing the ATF from accessing the information in the future. The ATF's registry site has long been a battleground between gun advocates and the federal government. Those in favor of more restrictive gun measures want the ATF to digitize this registry and create a federal database of U.S. gun owners, a move opposed, of course, by such uh, organizations, the Gun Owners of America and the National, National Rifle Association. The ATF has so many records stored in its West Virginia site that several years ago the floor collapsed, according to the New York Times. The Gun Control Act of 1968 mandates that licensed firearm dealers go out of business, provide the ATF with their records. They are then processed into images. Though the ATF maintains this database cannot be searched by purchaser's name, physical records, the agency says, are then destroyed. The scary stuff. And the reason I bring the story up is, of course, that uh, right now the Biden administration is preparing to have more gun restrictions, which, of course, is in opposition to what I think the Supreme Court might be doing with regard to the Second Amendment. So this is uh, the stuff that happens just before you have some sort of a takeover. And what I'm talking about, it doesn't have to be a a violent takeover, but certainly using intimidation. We've seen uh, the intimidation of the Justice Department against, against moms. In Virginia, this type of behavior, I think, uh, means that they're trying to consolidate power, in my opinion, and to uh, bring power to the Democrat Party. It's been quite a decade for national recognition for Naples and other communities in the region, including, well, for example, Best Beach Town from Travel and Leisure magazine, Best Vacation Spot for Working Remotely, among the top five for Senior Health by Cancer Fighting Organization, Annually or near the top of well-being indexes put together by several groups through the rest of Florida lost ground on this year. Uh, For example, Naples has been listed number one as the best place to live uh, for a couple of years in a row. 2020 is number two of the best small cities by uh, Renaissance Consultancy, a specialist in the destination branding industry, and one of a dozen great places to retire for your good health, according to Kiplinger Magazine. Wallet Hub named Florida as the best state to retire earlier this year. Just before Wallet Hub reached its conclusions, online platform Storage Cafe also put Southwest Florida as the top of its compilation of best places for snowbirds after an analysis of several factors including health care, parks, golf courses, internet speeds, and crime. Venice and Naples claimed the number one and two slots, respectively. The latest comes on the heels of Southwest Florida receiving similar recognition last month from a U.S. News & World report on places for retirees. In a separate study, the magazine also found that the area to be one of the best places to live overall. No question about that. Absolutely fabulous place to live. And Yesterday was just, just an unbelievably sparkling day here on the Paradise Coast. As an example, while Americans' inflation fears continue to accelerate in October, Climbing for the 12th consecutive month in a row of, uh, to under another record high, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, the median expectation is that inflation rate will be up 5.4% one year from now, the highest level for the gauge since its launch in June 2013, according to the New York Federal Reserve Survey on Consumer Expectations. Inflation expectations over the next three years remain unchanged at a median of 4.2%. A series high. With consumers braced for the highest inflation levels in nearly a decade, they're also expecting the price of things like food, gasoline, rent, and college tuition to rise over the next year. The only things that Americans expect to get cheaper over the next year are home prices and medical care. Wonder those why those two are singled out. That's another story. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has largely attributed the spike in consumer prices to pandemic-induced disruptions in the supply chain shortage of workers that has pushed wages higher and a wave of pent-up consumers flush with stimulus cash. Although Powell has repeatedly said the rise of inflation is likely transitory, he acknowledged last week during the Fed's two-day policy setting meeting that the surge may not fade until the latter half of 2022. He maintained that wild swings in consumer prices will stop once current pressures on the supply chain dissipate. His comments came as the Federal Open Market Committee voted to begin pulling back on the extraordinary stimulus it has given the economy since March 2020. The United States Central Bank announced that it would reduce its aggressive bond-buying program by $15 billion a month in mid-November, lowering its purchases of long-term treasury bonds by $10 billion a month and purchases of mortgage-backed securities by $5 billion a month. He stressed the federal policymakers will wait for the supply chain disruptions to dissipate and inflation to slow before hiking rates we will be patient he said if a response is called for we will not hesitate he said the problem with inflation is it becomes a, an expectation it tends to build on itself people begin to expect higher prices and begin behavior that anticipates inflation which leads unfortunately to more inflation This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks of Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs)
0: Or of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Diner Diner's a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music, and a fabulous 60's decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulaby's diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at Lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool, rockin' good time. Iowa County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, Director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be
2: able to connect to
1: Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's
0: 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They're proudly serving their board. And they do great work. Among the programs they have is creating policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boot Mortensen. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Just hearing that commercial now of the Golden Gate uh, Senior Center reminds me that uh, that was one of the favorites of your dad, as, as I recall. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh, going way back. You know, he uh, he has he had a lot of vision, and he still does. You know, he's, he'll be 99 in January, and he still ca- calls me all the time, well, this is a bill you ought to pass, and this is what I think. And, you know, he's just he's so... He's really with it, um, amazing for that age.
1: Uh, that is just fantastic. But we must please do thank him, then, for his contribution to the Golden Gate yes. Senior Center, doing great things to keep seniors from yes. being isolated, making sure they have services. Uh, and I hope our exactly. listeners will support them.
3: And all volunteer services. They're not coming to the government and saying, give us you know, money to... You know, whatever. I I just love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Kathleen, uh, you or have been in Tallahassee. Next week is the special session. Any breaking news and what's happening?
3: Well, uh, yesterday the uh, Speaker and the President, uh, along with the Governor, had a conference
1: basically outline
3: what our, our plans and goals for the session will be. <coughs> our four bills that um, are being filed or have been filed dealing with Vaccine mandate. Um, first of all, I you know the governor um, and many other states have filed suit against the Biden administration on on their um, mandate. But uh, we also have some um, businesses that are mandating
2: vaccines, et cetera. And so, what
3: and and local governments and school districts and whatever. So, what the governor wanted us to do was basically uh, provide that no Florida business, no Florida um a governmental entity um or facility can b- mandate uh vaccines. Yeah. What we did do though however is say they can provide alternatives so that particularly in some healthcare settings so there are, there are about a dozen alternatives that businesses can provide and that would include giving people a religious exemption, people that already have the antibodies, people that have just had COVID, people that, I mean, it's just, there's a laundry list of exemptions. So I think it's it's a very common sense approach to just the, um, you know, one size fits all vaccine mandates. And, uh, so we're, you know, we're going to do that next week. Um, at the same time as the, uh, Redistricting maps, the initial maps are coming out for uh, review, so it's going to be a really, really busy week next week.
1: Wow. So, you know, I must say and I'm disappointed in myself in having to say this, but uh, quite frankly, uh, business owners are citizens too, and it seems to me they should have the right to have masks uh, man- requirements and vaccine mandates right. if they choose to, but, uh, I, you know, quite frankly, I would avoid such a business, in my personal well, opinion. I-
3: yeah, I, I, that was, and that is was the uh, initial approach that the legislature were taking. The governor was bound to determine not to have any mandates, so the um, the discussions that have been ongoing uh, for weeks now with the governor are, okay, we get what you're saying. We do want businesses to be able to operate, so what can we do a good thing? And that is giving so many options, but... Uh, People, hit, uh, but there has to be, you know, valid reasons. Um, yeah. And if you've already had it, like. Catherine, you're that, kind of
1: breaking up. If I don't know if you're moving away from a <laughs> window or.
3: No, I'm actually. I'm walking my dog. Well. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, it just depends. So I think that what with the governor. And our leaders have come up with is a a good compromise that that should work. Mm. It's common sense and business. And frankly, there aren't businesses who have mandated vaccines. I think it's 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 only a few, as far as I know.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- I think it'd be a very stupid move, quite frankly. But uh, again. They have the right to be stupid, right? (laughs) In my opinion. Well,
3: you know, once the the problem you have, and and that's why I think uh, our uh, our approach is elegant and and well thought out is once you start you start meddling in uh, business operations, right? It's a slippery slope because well, we did it for this. Why don't we do it for that? Right. So you know, uh, I think I think everybody's going to be pleased with with the. uh, you know what we propose
1: that's great because it uh, so it seems to me that you have some straw dogs or at least some consideration something in front of you just to right. st- consider you're not going to be making this up when you get there so that's good no
3: we've been working on this for a couple of weeks
1: outstanding yeah so I want to say a kind of interesting thing that happened uh, of course uh, the it's been in the news that the president is flying and busing uh, illegal immigrants all over the United States and uh, Last week, I think it was, maybe the week before, I think it was last week between the time that you and I talked last, uh, we saw, friends of ours saw, some folks dropped off, presumably Haitians, uh, at the corner of Immokalee and 41. uh, And uh, they they just got off the bus, and they were seen around the community just kind of walking around. uh, It's horrible. Yeah.
3: It's reprehensible uh, to do that for a lot of reasons. First of all, to the people. I mean, particularly if they have nowhere to go. Right. And secondly, that you know, it's just the whole immigration system is just so badly run. Um, you know, and, and then and the payments that the president's proposing to the families that were split up four hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person. Yeah. I, I, it's for, people, uh,
1: for people that broke the law in the first place. <laughs>
3: exactly, exactly. I, I, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. Even if you are really uh, care and you feel that that these families were, uh, you know, torn apart or whatever, but we don't pay, you know, we only give $125,000 to Gold Star families mm-hmm. who lost a child. I mean, in... in in A military... I, I, we're, we're talking about $450,000? That's awful.
1: Yeah. It's just uh, beyond comprehension. I'm beginning to think right. that uh, all... I'm waiting for the next thing that uh, President Biden does that is for the American people. I mean, all these things seem to be in the face of the American people, Except one thing after are, the other.
3: Right. Yeah, they are. It's uh, And it's just polarizing the country more,
1: yeah. unfortunately.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of Democrat friends who have um, that care about the 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 immigrants. You know, from a human perspective, but certainly don't like the you know buying them off. Yeah, it's terrible.
1: It is. Kathleen yeah. Pasadoma, again, our state uh, senator. Just so pleased that you're being in Tallahassee next week in the special session. Hopefully, getting resolved some of the questions that we yeah. have with regard to vaccine mandates and the like. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for Thank being you. with us.
3: Have a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo and We'll find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eat-In Bar the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. A full and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com, or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239, Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
0: Back to the Bob Harden show and now here's your host
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, now a building of 43,000 square foot performing arts Center in downtown Naples breaking g- ground in December, but also putting on fantastic productions you can uh, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Bortzen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing
2: well, thank you. And I hope you're doing well. And, you know, I I came across an article, which is so fascinating. Hmm. It's all about our sense of smell. Hmm. And it is it is so strong. And each person smells A very unique way. And I'm not talking about sweaty sports smell. Not how they, not how how they,
1: not not their odor, but rather how they go about uh, perceiving odors or perceiving smells. We're not talking about. Right.
2: And our, each smell is unique. It's like a personal thumbprint. Huh. Now, what can your body reveal? What can your body smell reveal about you? It can tell your age. You can learn about your diet, your emotions how robust your immune system is, if you're getting sick, and it can even reveal who you might marry.
1: Well, that's pretty wild. You've got to expand this a little bit, Boo, because this is catching me totally on my heels. Tell us about it.
2: Well, I don't know all the the medical dynamics of your olfactory senses, but apparently everybody smells differently. So you have, uh, and there's three layers of smell. You know, there's how you smell when you sweat. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, uh, an underlying, uh, an additional um, uh, middle level from, uh, which has cultural factors to do with diet and and environment. And then beneath those two levels is uh, another level, which is your person's baseline smell. And that's your unique fingerprint. To the point, it is so strong that a mother, they did studies, and even if a mother was only with a baby, her baby for 10 minutes, and then they took the t-shirt off of, like, say, 10 babies and had 10 mothers, each mother could accurately tell which child was hers by the smell of the t-shirt.
1: Wow. And
2: not only can mothers do that, fathers can do it as well.
1: You know, that's so interesting because we think about animals, wild animals, having tremendous senses of smell. Didn't it occur to me that uh, I I thought that perhaps over time the the, uh, sense of smell might dissipate with human beings because we don't use it that much?
2: Well, apparently we use it more than we think we do. I guess. Um, They even asked, uh, they had a bunch of t-shirts worn by some were worn by gay men, some were worn by straight men, and the gay men identified and preferred the smell of other gay men just by smelling a t-shirt. So I mean it's incredibly wow. complicated and uh, he, they even said that in today's day that diseases can be diagnosed by smell, a trained doctor or a dog, can sniff out malaria, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, melanoma, and breast and lung cancer. Wow! Now you know dogs can, but apparently doctors can do it as well.
1: See, that's such an amazing uh, comment. That it just yeah. And what's kind of interesting is this COVID thing has had an effect on people's smell. Some people have had a uh, either lose their sense of smell or it changes over time because of uh, COVID. Apparently. And I actually thought, I've, I've never been tested uh, whether I've had COVID or not, but I have had an s- experience of a change in my sense of smell and how things smell as a consequence, oh, in the last four five, six months. So uh, it made me wonder if perhaps I've had COVID. Uh, my friend, uh, I, I mentioned that to a friend, he says, don't even say that, it's all in your head.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Psychosomatically? Yeah. Well, you know, how do you know? They, in pre- pre-modern times, you know, years and years ago before they had all the sophisticated drugs and testing, healers knew that if you had typhoid, uh, it made the sufferer's body smell of freshly baked brown bread. Tuberculosis, you smelled of stale beer, and the plague of overripe apples.
1: That's so interesting. So, I mean, it doesn't... And
2: you can also smell happiness.
1: So is, it, is there predictive value in your sense of smell? In other words, is there something we can do with this to perhaps uh, either predict uh, uh, circumstances or our health?
2: Well, I think that, you know, I, I think you have to be trained or, or you have to at least be very aware of, of the... Now I don't know if it's a predictive value, but it's certainly a, an informational uh, key to what makes people tick. Now, we don't know, like if someone has a certain smell, do you think, oh, they just smell really fresh, or does it mean uh, they're happy and it's a smell of happiness that you're being affected, but the next time you hug somebody, take a deep breath, you're inhaling a lot of information about that person.
1: That is so interesting. That is so interesting, too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I I know that when, uh, you can almost tell if somebody's ill by the color that they have in their face or whatever. Uh, but I had no idea that it had something to do with smell. That is so fascinating. How do you learn? How can you learn more about this?
2: You know, I think you just probably have to go on the internet and find out. How can I develop my you know my my olfactory senses? Yeah. How can I become more aware of? It? If I pick up this smell, what does it mean? I'm just kind of giving you a baseline informational, uh, just some information about how strong it is. You know, we're so visual. uh, uh, Humans are so visual and rely on our ears and our eyes that we forget that our noses are every bit as... Complex as all of our other senses.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. You think about it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, I totally uh, buy into this. Uh, in fact, uh, I've heard that uh, if uh, if you lose your sense of taste or smell, it can r- really dampen your appetite significantly, where you begin to lose weight. So the t- uh, taste and smell is just very important in terms of your own personal hygiene and, hap- and uh, uh, health. Oh,
2: sure. I I can't imagine. We had a friend who lost her sense of taste, and she ate just out of a sense of having to eat Mm -hmm. to stay nourished, but she got no enjoyment out of eating anything. How sad.
1: Can you imagine that? I'd be
2: skinny as a rail.
1: (laughs) That would be so sad indeed, uh, you know, that... The pleasure of going out to a beautiful dinner at uh, Blue Provence or another nice restaurant and just enjoying the food has a lot to do with how it tastes and smells. You know, Just a fabulous well, of experience. Of
2: course, it does. And you know, don't when you go into somebody's house, don't you notice that every house or condo or apartment has a signature smell to it?
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. Hmm.
2: It does. So, and also, don't you? Ha- they also say that smells bring back certain memories like if your mother always made sugar cookies and as an adult you smell sugar cookies you it brings you back to the time that your mother uh, baked those cookies so it also is connect it has a strong connection to memory as well
1: that is so fast I will say this if I smell some fresh some collard greens on the stove with a uh, a little uh, bacon or something like that being cooked with it, and just kind of simmering for a while. That smell just takes me back to my childhood. I, I love collard greens, especially the ones my mom made. So <laughs> that is such a fascinating conversation. Boo, you know what? I we never know. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but I genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, so today, take a deep breath in and and uh, see what you come up with.
1: I certainly will, boo. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of Superior Schools of Choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through twelfth grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich
0: back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government.
4: We, uh, we just reduced the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, things aren't going well.
1: And it's going in the wrong direction right now. My goodness, you just you can't even make this stuff up. It's just incredible. But uh, you wrote a column, Deadly Serious, We Must Re-insource Invention Back from Communist China. Such an interesting concept. Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Well, it's funny. I actually, the impetus for my thought process on the column was an article I found where We've now got satellite photos of China building lookalikes to our naval ships and then probably using them for target practice. Wow. And I forgot to put that article <laughs> in the piece. But what's happening, what I'm talking about is, of course, we're in the midst of the supply chain nightmare mm-hmm. and where hundreds of boats now, cargo ships, are just idling off the coast of Long Beach in uh, Los Angeles and We can't do anything about it. We're stuck. Uh, we don't we don't have truck drivers for it. We don't have dock workers to unload it um, We're just stuck and you know, I just uh, was texting back and forth with my old contractor in Maryland. He's a good guy And he's talking about uh, weeks and weeks to get windows and Weeks and weeks to get side to get everything There's, right. there's nothing available anymore And, of course, the solution for that would be making it here. Um, The reason we have a Rust Belt is because we took all those manufacturing jobs and moved them to China and other places. Well, the most important thing, before you have a window to make, you have to have somebody invent the window. Mm -hmm. And we've spent the last, certainly the last 15 years, and probably longer to a lesser degree, making it harder and harder to, or less and less attractive to invent things here in the United States. Uh, We passed a very stupid law in 2013 called the American Invents Act that was really antithetical to invention in the United States. Uh, Amongst other things, it created a stupid thing called the Patent Trial Appeal Board, where giant companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon file... Hundred of uh, fifteen really barely differently worded appeals against this poor small inventor who just got his patent approved by the Patent and Trademark Office, and it costs two hundred grand a, a, an appeal. And they filed fifteen different appeals each, and they it looks like they coordinate and tag team like multiple giant companies will file mo- multiple challenges, and this poor patent guy can't yeah. hold on to his patent because he can't afforded, offended at this thing. So, so see... There's been lots of stupid...
1: Yeah, yeah Just, I'll make a comment. Uh, you know, obviously, the road to hell is paid with good intentions, and uh, the people that uh, made up this law didn't have this intention in mind, but uh, I well, think... Well,
4: I think some of them did. You do? Oh, uh, uh, no, sure. Uh, I, I, there's people in this country that don't like uh, intellectual property protections. They don't uh-huh. like property. They don't like physical property, but, you know, your home, huh. your your stuff. Wow. Um, Remember, people people who want to tax you, they're stealing your stuff, right? And they don't have an appreciation for the fact that you earned it, you created it, and ultimately, it's the, it's your time they're stealing. Yeah, because of course, you, the the time you spent doing working rather than doing something you would maybe prefer doing to make the money to then have it stolen by the government. Yeah. So, uh, yes, the the alleged intention behind it was it'll be cheaper to defend your patent for $200,000 a pop at the Patent Trial and Appeal Board than it would be to go to court. And mathematically, one-on-one, that's true, but in practice, of course, that's not how the, the, the PTAB process has worked out. Yeah. So, while China's not stupid, China, of course, spent the 70s, 80s, and 90s and 2000s insourcing the manufacturing we were outsourcing. And they, were, and they aren't dumb, and they said, well, the, even more important than that is the ideas behind the stuff we're manufacturing. So while we've been making it harder and harder to invent here, they've been making it easier and easier to invent there. And then, of course, there's the institutional stealing they do of intellectual property, which is estimated to be about $600 billion a year. What they do is they steal something, they give it to one of their, you know, crooked universities, uh, and then they quote-unquote invent the same thing, and then China gives them the patent. Yeah. And on top of that, of course, China has these completely obnoxious rigged challenges to our patents, and the courts, you know, magnet Magically rule against our patents over and over and over again, while defending the ones they stole. Um, so the whole the, the the ultimate end game being they insource all and and they're being smart about it again. I mean they're they're offering people who invent things to come to China and they'll get very favorable terms. They get subsidies and and you know all all the all the trappings a, a communist government can offer somebody. Uh, in exchange for their doing, their inventing in China rather than places like
1: here. Yeah, but you know what? It's just like Google, for example. They basically say, come here, you can use our stuff for free. We'll make it really uh, comfortable for you. But in the end, the last analysis, they're going to steal it all anyhow. That's what China does. Well, that's,
4: that's true, too. It, it's, I wrote an article last week about how Amazon was caught doing that in India, where they, you want to sell your product on Amazon, And they ask for a ton more information about the product and its manufacturer that they really need just to sell on their platform. Mm -hmm. And then they steal the uh, the idea. They have China manufacture it. And then when you go to Amazon and search for that product, their stolen product is on the top of page one of the search results, (laughs) and yours is on the bottom of page four. Yeah. China does the same thing. I mean, Amazon, I think the title of the piece I wrote was, Amazon does its China impersonation. Um, And, of course, it didn't stay in India. The products they stole were being sold on Amazon U.S. and other websites, which means I can't imagine they're this detailed and they're stealing in in India and aren't replicating the process in other countries, including here. And China does the same thing. Um, you know, you you go and manufacture something there, and all of a sudden, oh, their company's making the same thing, and what are you going to do about it? It's yeah. the Chinese government. You can't do anything about it. But so it's very short-term uh, cheap and long-term stupid. Yeah, the- And we, we, have to in, so we have to get the people who are inventing things to feel more comfortable and more protected here. So they aren't lured away by the trappings of a place like communist China.
1: Now, that's so absolutely true, and just as important as you started out saying is, we just need to insource. We need this stuff to be made here, not for not only for well, that Yes,
4: and that's that's further down the food chain because before you make it, you have to invent it. Yeah, no, but no yet, question. And then the whole process needs to be insourced, starting with the the creation of the stuff.
1: Uh, just a really good column. Again, I, I, I refer our listeners to your website. Uh, uh, LessGovernment.org It's uh, featured right there Deadly serious We must re-insource Invention back from the Communist China You can also uh, LessGovernment.org Also visit LessGovernment On Facebook Seton I always appreciate Your commentary Here on the show Thank you so much For joining us
4: Thank you very much sir My
1: pleasure indeed All right, coming up We're going to visit With Linda Harden She writes Greetings from paradise We're going to do that And more Right here in the Bob Harden show On the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at six nine two. 9840, and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for, your designated beneficiary charity, gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us the lovely Linda Harden. She's my wife. She also writes Greetings from Paradise, which brings a smile to the face of many people here in the community. <laughs> Linda, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Morning. It's nice to have um, sunshine earlier in the morning. It's
1: Well, uh, that is a nice uh, feature of uh, Eastern Standard Time, I guess we could say. You know, uh, I started the show talking about Kristallnacht. Now this is the anniversary of uh, uh, the uh, Germans, Goebbels, uh, going around and having uh, these stormtroopers go in and kill and agitate and ruin the businesses of many Jews uh, in uh, Germany. Nobody reacted, so it ended up giving them kind kind of a uh, permission to go ahead and continue that kind of activity. But, you know, we're beginning to see the uh, weaponization of uh, ag- agencies here in the United States, which is very concerning.
5: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. It's like the frog in boiling water. Yeah. They just get used to, people get just used to this stuff going on, and and it's scary. But um, this Project Veritas thing, I was watching, <clears throat> I've been watching this story for the last couple of days, and, and it revolves around uh, Joe Biden's daughter, mm-hmm. Ashley. And, and the fact that they don't know if her her
1: diary her
5: diary was stolen or if she just left it but uh, project Veritas James O'Keefe who, who heads project Veritas was given the diary over a year ago and um, as if, for anybody who knows about project Veritas if you don't you should because he's he's pulled the curtain back on so many mm. um Things that have been going on that we would not have otherwise known about, but but he he and his his staff researched the diary and decided that there was not enough uh, substantiation for him to go forward with with any stories any stories. So so he he said, "No, I'm not going to do it." Well, here we are a year later, five o'clock in the morning. The FBI with stormtroopers and a battering ram bust into his house. Or apartment or whatever, wherever he lives, took his phones, took his all of his um, computer stuff, and I watched him interviewed on Sean Hannity last night. This this guy who was afraid of nothing Mm -hmm. was absolutely traumatized by the entire set of circumstances.
1: So who wouldn't be? I mean, this is uh, and quite frankly, who's why is the FBI looking into a diary? A personal diary, if anything, it qualifies as some sort of a state or municipal concern. We'd have, certainly have law enforcement look into it from those agencies. But why the FBI? Is it because the President of the United States, it's his daughter? Is that the issue?
5: Well, that I think I think that it's hitting too close to home, but I also think that they they use that as an excuse to, right. to access. Um, everything, all and everything that James O'Keefe has. In involved. other
1: words, we don't like what James O'Keefe is doing. He's creating problems for the administration, exactly, for the, the regime, uh, for the regime. so we need to do something to take the him illegitimate out. Illegitimate regime. Yeah, and we need to do something to take him out, unfortunately because he's done some great reporting. But, uh, you know, you hate to see this kind of thing happen, but it's happening. Think about the people in prison right now and the D.C. jails who participated, 400 and some of them, in, in, uh, the de- in January the 6th, most of them, all they did was just show up. They shouldn't be in jail, and they're not getting due process.
5: Well, and, and to your original point, I mean, the weaponization of the Justice Department and the FBI in this country is just downright scary. Mm-hmm. It's downright scary, and and if they're caught at anything, for instance, that, that um, coach of those girls, uh, those Olympic gymnasts, mm-hmm. who Nasser who was, who was molesting, yeah, those girls, and the FBI ignored the story. They should have been called on the carpet. People should have been fired. They should have been prosecuted for ignoring. These poor girls tried to contact the FBI for over a year, and the FBI ignored it. And what does Christopher Ray do? Oh, I just broke my heart to hear about the story. We're gonna l- look into it. And guess what's happened? Nothing.
1: Nothing. Hey, how about the uh, computer, uh, Biden, Hunter Biden's computer? I mean, that, the laptop sto- from hell. Laptop from hell. Uh, we just have two tiers of justice right now. You see the uh, the Attorney General react to a letter from the uh, school board association, and they jump on it within forty eight hours and call these people potentially domestic terrorists. And we're talking about moms and dads attending school board meetings and ignore letters from members of Congress for months. Uh, well, I just wonder, for example, if Rand Paul's concern, he sent a letter to the Justice Department saying that Fauci should be indicted for lying to Congress. He had per- proof positive that he lied to Congress. Has anything been done about that? Nope.
5: Nope. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, um, the the letter from Rand Paul is on the dust pile of, of Merrick Garland. Um, it, it's just... It's well. It, what's what it's doing is infuriating people, and people are waking up. For example, school boards are just—they've just had it. They're forming groups to fight back. Um, parents are fighting back against these these teachers' unions and these school boards, which are which are arms of the um,
1: yeah. Of That's the a, unions. just taking a step back, though. What's really concerning right now is that if you tr- set, stand and uh, voice your opinion against this administration or its policies and what's going on right now you could be attacked by agencies of the federal government they've been weaponized right now and been used against american citizens it's no coincidence quite frankly that uh, shortly after the election after january the 6th, uh, trump supporters were labeled as potentially domestic terrorists and that's you know that's just like uh, the, uh, the, what the nazis did to the jews during kristallnacht
5: hey believe me for his, <clears throat> excuse me for his outspokenness as I am, as we are. Every time a helicopter goes by our building, I'm just looking <laughs> to see if their guns pointed out. I'm serious. I mean it's 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 gotten that bad. It's gotten that bad. Um and and kudos to those people who have had it uh with it now and are, are waking up and are forming groups to fight back on this because like I told you off air, <clears throat> um Biden's Biden's approval rating, as I know you've mentioned on your show, is in free fall. He's just he and Kamala Harris have no um, they they have no. There's no. They can't. There's no depth to which they can sink. That could be any. I mean, now, Well,
1: I, I, and quite frankly, the way I see it, and I could be wrong, is that these are simply replaceable parts. Biden, Kamala Harris. You know what? Once they're done with them, they'll throw them out like an old trash and, well, and get somebody else in there. Because I, quite frankly, I don't think Joe Biden has anything to do with running the presidency or or being the president of the United States. There's somebody behind the scenes, Klein or Klein or whatever his name is, and others who might be Ron Klein,
5: Susan Rice,
1: yeah, who are running running the deal. And And oh, by
5: the way, Obama.
1: Yeah, it's very concerning. Uh, It's uh, we're way off the rails right now. We need to get our republic back, and it's going to take some. I, quite frankly, I think uh, Americans need to stand up, and they need to demand accountability. But what's happening in the United States right now? I mean, what's happening at the border? All these things are just very... Inflation, shutting down pipelines, what's going on?
5: Well, so what I started to say, too, was, was their approval ratings are so low, but it doesn't matter. They're just doubling down, ignoring yeah. the rule of law, and lo- ignoring um, that the federal judges put a stop, a temporary hold on these mandates. Yeah, and And Biden is just going, I don't care. No, we're just gonna We're just going to move forward with it.
1: Yeah, the White House basically said, "Well, we we know the judges put a stay on it, but we think, why don't you uh, employers with more than hundred employees go ahead and do it anyhow? Because we're going to end up winning this thing."
5: Uh uh-uh. uh
1: Yeah. No, uh uh-uh.
5: and, and and now they're trying to hide this Gavin Newsom thing because now he's been out of sight for twelve days, and and the children's the defender from the children's de- um, health organization is saying. That he suffered um, some sort of malady from his booster shot from Moderna, and there are, it's all over the news now that he's just been not in sight at all, and neither is Jen Psaki, by the way. She's been she's been out of sight for the last twelve days too, so it's it's really interesting to see yeah. they can't they can't hide this stuff forever. Yeah,
1: I don't wish anybody any harm, but the point is that he, apparently he is is. Uh, Reaction. I don't know the name of it. You, you do. I'm sure, but it, I
5: can't pronounce it. Uh, Gill Gillen's bar syndrome, syndrome, which is a, a neurological thing, which can cause anything from uh, a mild um, temporary reaction to paralysis to being unable to breathe. It's, that's it. Can be that serious.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so certainly wish him well in terms of his health. But hey, look. the The problem here is that we we are not getting full reporting and full information on what what's happening when people get vac- vaccinated. Some people are having very serious reactions, and uh, the public needs to know about oh, that so we oh. can make informed decisions.
5: By the way, which just came to mind, which is so infuriating, I hope I have time to say this, but Jill Biden, who is as evil as Joe Biden, can I just say that, is in this this little classroom with these little kids saying how lucky they are to be getting this vaccine to make, them, to make them so they won't get sick. It is abs- It makes my skin crawl. Yeah. I mean, there, there, the evil just shows. It has no bounds. And, the, and she had these, these little children say, "Let's all clap to show how thankful we are that we're going to get these shots." Can in our you arms.
1: believe this? Linda Harden again. Uh, greetings from Paradise. If you want to check out her columns, she's written a few lately. You can go to my website, bobharden.com, and check out uh, Greetings from Paradise. It's a pull-down tab at the top of the website, and you'll find her columns for at least the last year. Linda, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andy Joppa, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And I'm looking forward to Patrick O'Donnell, will be uh, joining us. Patrick is the author, I'm reaching for the book right now, The Indispensables, The Diverse Soldier Mariners Who Shaped the Country, Formed the Navy, and Rode Washington Across the Delaware. I've read the book. It is fascinating. And I look forward to the interview as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bobharden at com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.